we're doing we're going to do like a sort of April um, exploration of the theme of doubt, and that's not just because um, we're like edgy and sort of questioning religion, but it's actually in the Christian calendar, the liturgical um, year, the the lectionary it's called, where they prescribe texts for each week of the year, so you cover not just the same stuff, is this passage. This is given to us. Um, it's after Jesus was crucified. That happened, you know, Good Friday. Then, um, then Mary, right before this, finds the empty tomb. Tim preached on that a little bit, right? Last week? You were there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about other things. Uh, uh, and... And she's seen, she's seen the empty tomb. She uh, sticks around. The other couple students of Jesus um, kind of were freaked out. She stays and sees the risen Christ, we're told. Um, weeps. He comforts her. She goes back and tells uh, the other disciples. Um, but it doesn't seem like they really believed her because this is what happens. And this is where we get the famous... Doubting Thomas character, he comes up. So, go ahead. So when it was early evening of that first day of the first week, and the doors of the house where the students met were locked for fear of the Jews, Yeshua came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace to you. And saying this, he showed his hands and his side to them. The students were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Yeshua said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And saying this, he breathed over them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. For any who sins, you forgive, for their sins are forgiven. For any who sins, you do not release, they are not released. But Tomah, who was one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Yeshua came. So the other students were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and I put my finger into the place of the nails, and I put my hand into his side, I shall not believe. After eight days, the students were again in the house and Tomah with them. Though the doors were shut, Yeshua stood in their midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Tomah, Bring your fingers here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it to my side, and do not be without faith, but of faith. Tomah answered, saying to him, My Lord and my God. Yeshua said to him, Do you believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and believe. Yeshua performed many other signs before his students, which had not been written in this book. But these things were written that you may believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in his name. Perfect. Thank you. I was thinking about talking about doubt before, before this happened. Virginia, our intern, can even t attest to this. We were talking about doing it before, but then it was like Easter was coming, and then it just so happened that this coincided, which is kind of providential. Um, but um, for me, uh, what I wanted to say, I'll tell you what I, what I wanted to say about doubt, and I thought that this passage illustrated it well. I wanted to say, um, because if you're anything like me, you're drawn to religion, you're drawn to the Christian tradition, if you're here, um, you're drawn to these stories, but maybe a part of you is deeply skeptical. 
about a lot of it. Not just about the truth or falsehood of particular events, but for me, sometimes, often, um, the kind of the whole thing. Like, does it make sense to live here or to spend time here in this, in this tradition, in this, um, this label or this, this house of words and symbols and stories and, and, and rituals that um, says some, some wild, unbelievable or hard to believe things. And um, so what I wanted to say was it's helpful maybe if we distinguish between two kinds of belief, um, two kinds of, uh, and then correspondingly two kinds of doubt, two kinds of faith and two kinds of doubt. On the one hand, we have uh, sort of belief in, belief that X is true, belief that X is a part of the furniture of the universe, Before, belief that um, this is the case, sort of an intellectual assent to something. Um, often that's how, re how religious people um, seem to talk about their faith. That's how often like on the outside it seems what people are saying. And then so doubt would be like, I doubt that really happened. So an example would be, I believe that um, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. We have pretty good historical evidence independently of this to attest to that. And I believe that uh, he was somehow risen from the grave. Um, as a sort of that really happened, like a newspaper account. Um, and then doubt would be, I believe that didn't happen, or I'm not sure that happened. That's one kind. The other kind of belief um, and corresponding doubt is something more like, um, like maybe trust would be a better word. Like, like when I talk about, I b if someone is, uh, like, I trust that you're going to be there for me. Um, it's, it's not, it's more like an, an existential orientation, uh, an orientation of the, the heart or the, like, of how we're going to spend our time, our commitment. Um, not like, I believe this is part of the furniture of the universe, but um, I trust that even though I don't have proof, you love me and you don't think I'm a moron. Or you do sometimes, but then you come back to your positive feelings about me. Um, uh, and then so doubt about that would be like, oh, I'm not so sure anymore. Like, um, so the first kind I was thinking about as, um, you know, the belief part would be like, I, I have some certainty about this. And if I doubt it, I'm uncertain. So certainty, uncertainty. On the other hand, it would be something like um, maybe like security. like. I feel secure in this relationship versus I feel insecure. I feel secure in my own skin versus I feel insecure in my own skin. Does that sort of make sense, that distinction? And my, my, what I thought was a great insight was like, I am much more interested and I think um, it's much more important um, when we're trying to figure out what these texts mean, these stories mean, or how we want to live, this kind of second category that for me, people get way too caught up in the first kind of belief or doubt in religion, when really a lot of these texts are talking about the second. Um, so that the obsession with did Christ really get resurrected, get all like resurrect, um, 
is maybe not as important as do I trust in what that resurrection event is trying to reveal, which is um, that there is uh, a, um, a, a loving kind of holding uh, embrace that holds us even not only in the fear of death, but in the actual event of death and beyond. That there is, so, so that the propositional content might not be there, but there's the, an existential trust. That's what I was going to say. And, um, and I think there's some truth to that. I may have even said this not too long ago when I was like, Christianity is not about like, what you believe. It's about how we are with one another. Um, now I'm doubting that a little bit. I have some doubts about that. <laughs> so let me just say, let me just say uh, a couple things, and then I want us to talk together, because I'm working through it as well. Um, OK, let me read this to you. One way of, one way of maybe uh, thinking about these two kinds of belief that might also show why they can't be ne neatly divided is uh, I'm going to introduce two philosophical concepts that strangely kind of sound the same, but don't really have anything to do with one another. But I think these concepts um, can uh, give us some tools uh, to like make go a little deeper with this question. Um, the first one is uh, it's kind of a new theory. It's a new philosophical theory, just hot off the presses. Um, this woman, what's her name, uh, Tamar Gendler. Um, she's a professor of philosophy and psychology. She came up with an idea um, called A-leaf. So we have B-leaf, she's like, but there's also something called A-leaf. And we have these A-leafs that, that we walk around um, carrying with us all the time. Um, a belief is something we're sort of conscious of and aware of. I believe all people are created equal. An a-leaf is something that um, the unconscious, she doesn't use the word unconscious, but it's sort of like that. It's something that like, is sort of uh, in us. It's operating. It, it influences our emotions, our behavior. Um, it is there without us um, even uh, even though our conscious beliefs may contradict it. Um, and it's, she says it's been neglected by philosophers forever. Um, I want to read you an example, some examples. So one example she comes up with is, you know those like, uh, at the top of the Sears Tower, what's it called, Willis Tower, there's like those glass, you can like walk out above Chicago. Um, or the Grand Canyon has one, she talks about that example where you're walking out and it's perfect glass and you're looking thousands of feet below and you see other people walking on it, you know it's solid. Um, although I think the one at Willis Tower like recently did something weird, like didn't it like shatter? <laughs> That's insane. Um, so that complicates it. But like you see people, it's, you know it's sturdy, you can like read the pounds per square inch, blah, 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 and yet you're going on there and you're like, you feel, you feel like you're not just walking on a solid piece of plank. Your conscious belief, there's something, of, something uh, in spite of your belief, you're still, you still act as though you might fall to your death. 
Um, more hilariously, uh, she cites this. So this is a quote. Um, in a series of ingenious studies spanning several decades, psychologist Paul Rosen has demonstrated a widespread tendency for well-educated Western adults to exhibit behaviors consonant with a commitment to the existence of laws of sympathetic magic. That there can be a permanent transfer of properties from one object to another by brief contact, contagion. And that the action taken on an object affects similar objects. So here's an example. Subjects in these studies are reluctant to drink from a glass of juice in which a completely sterilized dead cockroach has been stirred. Hesitant, so there's no, there's no like little cockroach particles. Hesitant to wear a laundered shirt that has been previously worn by someone they dislike. And loathe to eat soup from a brand new bedpan. They are disinclined, they are disinclined to put their mouths on a piece of newly purchased vomit-shaped rubber though perfectly willing to do so with sink stopper of similar size and material. <laughs> so we don't want to chew on rubber vomit. Averse to eating fudge that has been formed into the shape of dog feces. <laughs> and far less accurate in throwing darts at pictures of faces of people they like than at neutral faces. So like, uh, yeah, it's not really that person, but you're not as good at it. Um, so that's an example of these A-leafs that uh, we consciously know that this is fake vomit, but we're like, we can't really bring ourselves to eat it or chew on it. Um, I feel like the, yeah, I feel like the, there must be something like that on YouTube that I should have, I should have watched, but. Um, so this, this is maybe helpful because one of the things she says about A-leafs is that they can be linked to propositions, like, um, Another great example that's kind of relevant now is, and maybe some of you have heard this, they've done a lot of uh, psychological testing on people's racial biases. So we all say, Lo, I, I, I believe um, whatever ethnic or racial group someone's a part of, like they should be treated equally, I'm not prejudiced. And then lo and behold, when you take these tests that measure your implicit, this kind of A-leaf level of stuff, they find, uh, lo and behold, we're all racist. Or, most people are racist. You, 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 you like, they show you a picture of, say, an African-American. A lot of white people will like subtly choose words that are more negative. Um, they will exhibit responses that are a little more fearful. And you say, well, what's the difference if, you're, if you override that? Well, what if you're a cop who's got a split-second decision to make? It turns out these A-leafs come out then. What if you're... Um, what if you're walking down the street, or like you're a shopkeeper, right? And you treat someone in that moment out of fear. Um, these A-leafs are powerful. And um, so with that distinction, I, I still, I, I'm wondering, one way of looking at it would be like, I think I care more about my A-leafs I'm just using that like it's a real word. My A-leafs being um, uh, good or, or consonant with, with uh, something that is going to bring me life and that, that's going to bring me into relationships of love than my conscious beliefs. Um, but the thing is that these two can interact. And um, I think religion, if we're really honest, is not just about 
uh, oh, who cares what your conscious beliefs are? Let's just shape our sort of implicit orientation to life and one another. Um, I think the point of reading these stories, of getting together, of, of, of getting together is that the two are talking to one another. In this story, um, and I might need some help sorting this out, there's been some like, there's been a traumatic event. They've lost um, Jesus, their sort of leader, the one who gave their life uh, uh, new shape, new meaning, um, uh, brought them into something uh, beautiful and true, um, has been murdered by the state. And their alif sort of implicit orientation to the basic safety of reality has been shattered. Uh, the, the doors are locked, right? Um, the doors are locked eight days later, too. And you can kind of imagine maybe they would keep those doors locked. They would be kind of huddled in fear long after the real, any real threat was gone. Um, even if their conscious belief said, okay, they're not looking for other people who are associating with Jesus, this sort of uh, gut level, so it, it, she says alif, it's called alif because it touches affect, feeling, action, and it's associative, not rational. So we kind of, doesn't, it, it has its own logic. Um, this sort of like defensive, huddled, scared posture. Um, I, um, I, can, I can, in my own life, I can see examples of these going both ways. I can think of um, a time in my life when, uh, before I had sort of um, faced the reality that like there, there's shit that happens that we have no control over that is really bad. <laughs> I mean, I knew that cognitively. I'd, like everyone knows that, right? Like, like that's basic sort of wisdom about life. Um, uh, but before that had hit me down here, I think I was walking around with a conscious belief that that is true about the world. Yeah, like um, uh, life is like things are fragile. They don't always work the, the way you want. But my alif, my under, under here was like pretty chill. Like, like it's going to be all right. We're, like that won't happen to me. Um, uh, totally not rational, unexamined. Um, and then uh, when you get whacked <laughs> by life, um, that, it, it, it touches down here. Now I find myself in the sort of opposite, which is strange, just to complicate how these interact, which is I, up here in my, in my sort of conscious beliefs, I really do think that um, uh, it's worth not shutting yourself down or off from what's whatever's going to happen next from from new experiences new people that uh you know i've survived the worst bring on i know there will be more but i also know there'll be good beautiful things too but my alif my my affective action-based associational self is still stuck in this uh locked room afraid so uh do with that what, what you will. Um, the other philosophical term, real quick, and then we should, we should probably move on, 
is also starts with an A. Um, it's called, it's another word for truth. Hey, Justin. Um, it, was, it was brought back, it was brought back by this philosopher that I've often been kind of scared of because he was a Nazi. <laughs> He's kind of like, um, it's really complicated, but his name is Heidegger, Martin Heidegger. He started, started studying religion, and then he kind of veered off into this crazy uh, uh, philosophy where he's inventing his own language, looking at the Greeks. But he, he drew a lot from Christian theology. And he said, when we think about what's true, um, that word true or truth, uh, we're thinking about it all wrong. Um, we think of truth as this, this first column I was talking about, truth as correspondence, truth as uh, a, a sentence that matches what's out there in the world. And if I get the two right, then I'm, then I'm speaking the truth. I'm in truth. He's like, that's not very interesting. That may be true. Um, another kind of truth is coherence, like if it all fits together logically. And that's OK. He said, the interesting kind of truth, the real kind of truth, is something called aletheia. Um, it's a Greek word. And it means unconcealedness. When something that was previously hidden becomes unhidden and reveals itself to you. So the, the, what I think about um, for this is that scene in Aladdin when, uh, you know the song, A Whole New World? We're going to sing it right now. No. We, um, <laughs> the, uh, we should. But, uh, do, does anyone remember what Aladdin says to Jasmine before she gets on the magic carpet? Yeah. Do you trust No shame. No shame. Um, do you trust me, right, before you get on the magic carpet? Um, so that's, some, that's, that's, I think, that's aletheia. And that's maybe one way of getting at what's going on here, too, is that uh, um, it's not what Thomas is unsure about, what Thomas is uh, not ready to, like, step into is less did Jesus Christ rise from the grave? Did that literally happen? But um, sort of walking, walking uh, uh, something has been hidden, hidden for him, um, from him. Uh, uh, God has been hidden from him. Um, a belief in the sort of basic goodness and reliability of, of anything has been, has been hidden. Um, and when Jesus comes and shows his wound, uh, Thomas is basically stepping on a magic carpet right into a new reality, a whole new world of this complicated, um, a world that's maybe hard to talk about, but a world that has these wounds, like that are still festering, and yet that is um, risen into new life. Um, He's, he's interestingly, what he's concerned about is not like, I want to see Jesus up and walking. He's, what he says is, I want to see Jesus' wounds. Um, I want to see that, okay, fine, he's up and walking, but how can, that, how can that be true and also the devastation of the cross, the devastation of the body um, being assaulted and dying and being... Uh, drained of blood. And Jesus is revealing to him this new world where those two can exist simultaneously. Where um, new life, 
uh, uh, love, peace. He says, peace be with you. And they rejoiced. Where peace and joy um, can coexist with uh, kind of the worst wounds you can imagine. The worst thing you can imagine. Um, Yeah, that's maybe all I'm, I'm going to say. I have a few more things that I say, but I think I've been talking for long enough. I want to hear um, some responses to that. Does anyone have a, does that make sense or do you have a question? Um, is, it, is it sort of dodging the question to talk about these belief and truth in these other ways? Like, um, what do you think? One way, one way I think about Aletheia and how it relates here is, has anyone ever gone to a muse museum and be like, I'm someone who likes art, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like hang out with some art today. And you stare at a painting or, or an artwork and nothing, it makes no sense. And you feel, I mean, how did, that feels shitty, right? It's like, am I, do I, not, am I not like a, a certain kind of person, a sensitive soul who would get this? A poem, like how many when we, when we saw that Emily Dickinson poem, it was like, what the? Um, that I feel that way. For the, I mean, it's one of my deepest sources of shame. It was like I want to be someone who like gets poetry and loves poetry. And like a lot of times I look at poems and I'm like, it's just like Matrix. Um, uh, I think when Jesus says. I was happy to show you this. Um, uh, blessed or happy are those who don't need to see the proof, but still believe. I think about something like standing in front of a painting or a poem that I don't get, um, standing in front of a Christian story, uh, a Christian tradition that I don't always get, um, and uh, trusting that if I keep standing there, <laughs> if I keep uh, trying to be open, um, something good, something might be unconcealed to me. Um, I think that applies to it, us, each other too, our stories. So, 